Eagles Entertainment. Welcome, Eagles everywhere, to the Eagles Insider Podcast, presented by Lincoln Financial Group. I'm Eagles Insider Dave Spadaro, hoping you are all doing well, that you're healthy, that you're getting your vaccine shots. We want to see you at Lincoln Financial Field this season. So go out and get your shots. And let's move forward here in 2021. Great show for you here on this Eagles Insider Podcast. Last week we spoke about the offense, specifically quarterback Jalen Hurts. And during that time, I, that podcast, I had Merrill Reese on and asked him who he thought would be a good pick for the Eagles quarterback, veteran signing. And he said, uh, how about Ron Jaworski? Well, the Eagles didn't sign Ron Jaworski, but they did add a quarterback who's from South Jersey, Audubon, New Jersey, to be exact, who's been in the league now in his 14th season, has won a Super Bowl, has been a Super Bowl MVP. Joe Flacco joins the Eagles to compete with Hertz, And now the two of them are in the quarterback room. Eagles will add to that room, perhaps in the draft, trade, free agency, somebody gets cut. Teams generally take four quarterbacks to training camp. And historically, the Eagles, of course, different coaching regimes have had three quarterbacks on the roster for the regular season. So we'll see what happens there. In this episode, we want to talk about the Eagles' defense. And to that end, we will meet in just a bit here with defensive line coach Tracy Rocker, one of the great college football defensive linemen of all times. He's drafted by Washington. Injury ended his career and launched his coaching career. So we will find out what makes Tracy Rocker tick and how he plans to reach the Eagles' defensive line. We're also going to meet with Mike Quick, Eagles radio analyst, who will talk about the defense. We spoke, of course, before the Eagles really dug into free agency, but Quick Six has some very strong opinions about the Eagles' defense. And then we will meet with the two Eagles' safeties, Anthony Harris, who came over from Minnesota, a one-year deal, expected to make a, ma- a major impact in this defense. And first up, though, Andrew Adams, who won a Super Bowl with Tampa Bay this past season, has played with the Giants, played with Tampa Bay, has been a starter, but mostly in his career he has been a contributor on special teams. That's not necessarily his mindset coming into 2021. Let's get to it. Andrew Adams, one-on-one. Andrew Adams has had quite a couple of months, wins a Super Bowl with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and then he signs with the Philadelphia Eagles early in free agency. Hello, everyone. I'm Eagles insider Dave Spadaro, joined by Mr. Adams, Super Bowl champion. Andrew, how does that sound? It sounds awesome. Uh, Just that champion. That champion brings that ring. That ring after Andrew Adams, uh, Super Bowl champion. Yeah, so it's a good feeling. What was the experience like? And what what did the 2020 season and winning a Super Bowl teach you about, you know, the magic, what it really takes to to win win it all in the NFL? Yeah, it's just um, I don't think it's any magic or, you know, there's any special sauce. I think it's just really, really hard work and attention to detail every day. Uh, it can't be on a Wednesday practice and a Friday practice. It has to be Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, um, and Sunday. It has to be literally every day. It's just the way you go about your business, um, a championship mindset, a championship nature. Uh, I think I think that's what this this past year has taught me the most. And so, is that something that you kind of knew you had in you? Or did you need the experience of going through all the steps to really, really understand the process? 
I definitely knew I had it in me, but um, I think a lot of times human nature, I feel like everybody uh, suspect to it that, you know what I mean, you might take your foot off the gas for a second or for a minute or for an hour or for a day, however long it might be. Um, but to be the best of the best and to perform at the highest level possible, I think there is no room um, there is no room for letting up. There, even even when you are achieving what you want to achieve, you still have to keep your foot on the gas and keep going, because uh, there's always somebody, another team, another person, somebody uh, that's behind you trying to trying to take your glory or take your shine or do what you're trying to do. So you definitely have, always have to keep moving forward. Yeah, I mean, I would imagine Andrew looking at your career, not drafted coming out of University of Connecticut really having to make it every day in the league and prove yourself. I would imagine that's kind of been the way you've survived and thrived in your NFL career. Yeah, definitely. Um, I would say coming from UConn, it's not an Alabama, it's not an Auburn, it's not an LSU. And then being undrafted, uh, coming in, having to work my way to be a starter. And then the next year having to work my way to be a starter. And the next year having to work my way to make a team next year, having to work my way. Yeah, it's just it's just an ongoing um, cycle of work, and you always have to show up and put your best foot forward. And if you want to win a Super Bowl, that's really how you have to show up every Sunday. Uh, put your best foot forward, and don't and you won't be denied. Andrew, what was the Super Bowl the the day of the night of the game? What was that experience like for you? I know the. Stands weren't exactly packed, but it was a fairly large audience, the largest that you'd enjoyed all season probably. Um, right. Were you nervous? Did you, did you feel the impact of the big moment? Um, I wasn't nervous, but you definitely could feel the energy in the stadium. You could feel the impacts of the, you know I mean, of the, of the sways, the ups and downs in the games. And then I would say just the night itself, it was just kind of, just kind of so surreal, um, just being there and then just seeing the Super Bowl memorabilia, you know what I mean, in the stadium, lights everywhere, and then after winning, just the confetti falling, just laying on the field, like just a sense of I did it and just you just left it all out there on the field all season. It's just a, I don't know, it's a, it's kind of hard to explain, but it's a, uh, it's a good feeling. It's definitely – it's definitely um, something that I want all my teammates in Philly to experience. Yeah, and, and many did just a few seasons ago. They we did. remember what it's like, and, you know, it feels like, at the same time, it feels like a really long time ago. Andrew, what made you sign in Philadelphia? Why did you feel like the Eagles were the right fit for you? I felt like it was a good fit um, because I think the defensive, the defensive back group is already a close close group from uh, what I can see and what I've heard. And so I definitely wanted to go somewhere that was, you know, that was like a family and I can come in and help and produce and uh, help win some games. So I just felt like in Philly, uh, I could, you know what I mean, kind of fit the mold of what of what they're trying to build here and be able, and be able to produce uh, on the field and uh, help the team win games. For Eagles fans who aren't, maybe as familiar with your game, what kind of player can they expect to see this, this summer in training camp and then the fall in the regular season? Uh, takeaways, turnovers. Uh, I think 
the reason I play safety is to get interceptions. So uh, that's my favorite thing to do. That's what I strive to do when I'm on the field. That's what I'm trying to do. Uh, so creating turnovers for our defense and giving the ball back to our offense. That's uh, that's what that's what I plan to do. 2018, you had four interceptions. You had three of them against Cam Newton and the Carolina Panthers. Uh, tell me about that game and, and the experience. Like, did you feel like you just had a magnetic attraction to the football, or were you just in the right place at the right time? I mean, what was that like picking off three passes in one game? No, I think um, I think that week of preparation, I prepared. You know, I mean, uh, probably the most I prepared all season, and then. I had a good read on Cam on his uh, on his arm motions and on on his eyes, and I was able to to see like in the film room just during the week, um, you know, his mannerisms of when he's about to throw the ball, where he's looking. He might look left and then throw right, and then look left and then throw right. So if he look left, I'm not gonna go left. I'm gonna go right, and he's gonna come back right, and I'm already be in position. Um, so I think I was able just to read, you know, just to read his mannerisms. Um, a lot that week. So I think that helped contribute to those interceptions. Andrew, what kind of mindset do you come to Philadelphia with? Do you have the intention of being a starter? Are special teams a big part of what you bring to the Eagles as well? I've I've produced and I've been on special teams for a few years in the league and I've produced. So I feel like the value um, on on both sides of the ball, defense and special teams, is there. But I just want to help the team I know it's really early. We're all interested to know what this defense is going to be about. I know the fans are really interested to see what uh, Jonathan Gannon has in mind for the defense. Do you have a sense of what they're going to ask safeties to do, what your job responsibilities will be, and might they be different than what you've experienced previously in Tampa Bay and with the Giants? No, I know uh, just after speaking you know, with Coach Gannon that the safeties are going to be – you know what I mean, crucial parts in the defense. Uh, they have to be the quarterbacks back there. They have to get everybody lined up. And we have to uh, make quick decisions, and there can't be any hesitation. Uh, I feel like the quick decisions and being able to get people in the right place and make the right calls is going to be a lot of what Coach Gannon asked us to do. So I feel like as long as both safeties uh, on both sides are on the same page and on a string together – I feel like uh, it's going to be it's going to be a great secondary. Andrew, last one for you. I mean, we talked about it earlier. The road you've taken has not been an easy one. You know, you've had to work for everything. Why do you think you've made it, and others who were drafted higher, who came with more acclaim, those guys didn't make it? What has been your kind of your se- your secret sauce, your your key to success in the NFL? I think uh, it's attention to detail and level of, you know, football IQ. So I study the game um, during the season and off the season. So um, I'm very knowledgeable about what the other team might be trying to do versus us. So I'm rarely in a bad position when it comes to that. And then I just think uh, attention to detail uh, is big, especially in the NFL. Everybody's fast. Everybody's strong. Everybody's big. so what what are the little details in the game that's gonna that's gonna allow you to be successful? Um, and I just think uh, I pay attention to those, and and that's and that's kind of what's kept that's kind of what's kept me in the league this long.
So what you're saying is that the mind game is every bit as important as the athletic skills that everybody in the league has. You, you, can, you can make a difference by outworking the other guy in the film room. Definitely, 100%. I love that. Well, listen, uh, I, I, I think it's great. Uh, welcome to Philadelphia. Thanks for taking the time. Looking forward to seeing you in this Eagles defense when we get back to football here at the NovaCare Complex. Thank you very much for your time, and welcome to Philadelphia. No doubt. Thanks for having me. So we go from one safety to another. Anthony Harris in 2019 led the NFL seven interceptions, including the postseason. Played under the franchise tag in 2020. The numbers went down, no interceptions. Minnesota's defense, not as good. The Eagles feel like they have made a major upgrade to a safety group that has lost a lot. Jalen Mills goes to the New England Patriots. Rodney McLeod coming off a major knee injury suffered last December. The Eagles expecting a young group of safeties to improve, and that includes last year's fourth-round draft pick, Kayvon Wallace. Anthony Harris will know the defense. He played with Jonathan Gannon when the two of them were in Minnesota. So he will be one of the leaders on this defense. He's a playmaker, and here he is one-on-one. Anthony Harris, New Eagles safety, says he has an underdog mentality. That plays well in the city of Philadelphia. Hello, Eagles everywhere. I'm Eagles insider Dave Spadaro with Eagles safety Anthony Harris. Anthony, welcome to Philadelphia. Uh, you know, let's talk about the journey because it's been uh, one that you really don't hear a lot of. A player comes into the NFL not drafted, takes a couple of years to develop, and then boom, you're one of the best in the league. Why did it happen to you? I'm not sure. Um, you know, I just took what I was given and tried to make the best of the situation. Um, you know, had a decent college career, uh, went undrafted, got the opportunity to play and wanted to show everybody that I'm that player that I was my junior year in college where I had a ton of interceptions and, and flew around the field and made plays. And often like um, this past year, senior year followed up with a ton of tackles. So. I wanted to get on the field, uh, get healthy because I came out injured, and show people that I could return to that player that is able to make plays on the ball and in secondary as well as a good tackler in open field. Have you carried that chip of not being drafted? Is it still right here on your shoulder, still as big as it ever has been? Yeah, I think, you know, every time I stepped on the field, I just wanted to prove myself. Um, for me, it was just about chasing greatness. Um, try to be a player that people could remember. Um, but just being myself, not being anybody before me, but just being Anthony Harris. So from that point on, it was just show people who you are. Um, I wanted them to look and see me on film or see me on the field and have to ask themselves, who's that dude? Because I'm out there displaying um, good talent and good performance. So um, whenever I can, that's what, how I try to play, playing with passion, playing hard. And then anytime I see that, you know, someone may be, you know, not quite believing in me as much, um, you know, I just say that that's okay. You know, that's, that's an opportunity there for me to show you. And I try to just, you know, go out and show people and not talk about it as much. You worked with Jonathan Gannon when he was a young coach and you were a young player at Minnesota. Did you spend a lot of time with him off to the side working on technique and and getting in the film room and understanding the defense? And, and how critical and important has John been to you in your career? 
Yeah, we, we, we just spend a lot of time talking football, you know, talking what we see on film, talking defensive schemes, um, talking what it takes, talking adversity, and talking life. So he's been a good mentor in terms of, you know, always challenging me to look at things differently or look at things from a different perspective. Um, and I appreciate that. So I'm excited for the opportunity to get here, take in his coaching and what he wants to try and execute on the field and go and play football. Did you see in him a young coach who was going to climb the ladder in this league? Yeah, I saw it. I, I would see it early on. Um, he was a student of the game. He was always, you know, paying attention, asking questions, uh, talking to the staff, uh, challenging ideas, which is great to be able to, you know, not just take an idea and, and go out and execute it, but, you know, talk through it through with other coaches and, you know, get the why, you know, why this, why that, because that's the level of understanding, not just, you know, doing something, but understanding the why. And then, you know, being creative and, and taking in different information from the players, from the coaches. And I could just tell right away how much he loved the game and that he would probably pursue and try to increase his role as well. Anthony, for you in Minnesota, 2018 is when you really flipped the switch and became a starter full-time. 2019, seven interceptions in that season, including the playoffs. What kind of, what changed? Was it just your time? Was it just the natural development of somebody who worked really hard? Was it just getting a chance to play? How, what do you attribute kind of getting to that next level as a player in the league? I think, um, you know, I stayed patient. Um, you know, waiting for the opportunity. I think being patient is, is important. Um, and and being a student of the game while you're there, but also preparing yourself. You know, not just waiting around and not doing anything, but you know, waiting around while also putting in the work to be ready for the opportunity. So for me, it was just, you know, once I get the opportunity, I want to take full advantage of it. And you know, I think that whenever I got an opportunity to go out. I was prepared um, to take full advantage of it, and that's how you were able to, you know, see some of those explosive plays and just being in the right spot. So um, for me, it's just continuing to do that. Did it bother you to not make the Pro Bowl in 2019? You know, the one thing that I focused on really was playing football, so I didn't really get into the Pro Bowl or any of the accolades. Um, I think looking back at it after the season and the Pro Bowl had passed, um, I was a bit disappointed that I didn't make it in terms of, you know, um, getting your name recognized for the for the work that you put in and, and some of the accolades and the success that you were able to achieve. But at the same time, you know, I just went back to that same mentality of, you know, I have to get back to work. Um, you know, I just have to be consistent. I have to continue to do that and continue to prove myself um, until, you know, someone notices. Do you see yourself as somebody who's going to kind of help everybody get on the same page with this defense? You have, I guess, more of an understanding of what Jonathan wants. So is one of your roles going to be as that leader and as that person who helps educate everybody on the defense? I think my role is just come in and just be myself. Um, you know, that's just showing guys, you know, how to just go to work, um, be a professional. Um, I think that they have a, a good locker room right now and and the individuals in the locker room know how to do that. Um, but I'm not exactly sure 
if that'll be my role. I think my role is to just be myself, let the coaches um, do their job, and then just help out in any way I can or any way that I'm asked. Who's the greatest safety that just jumps to mind in, in your mind, the greatest safety that you've seen in the NFL or that maybe that you model your game after or that you just admire? Yeah, I think being from the Virginia area, I saw a lot of Brian Dawkins. Um, so, you know, being able to be in Philly, seeing that, you know, the history and the legacy that he's left behind, um, I admire that a lot. I definitely like his style of play in terms of physicality, being able to turn the ball over. And also for me, it was was Ed Reed, looking at those two guys pretty close to home. Um, it, it was special. So to be able to, you know, be in this facility today and look at some of the history in terms of at the safety position and what Brian Dawkins was able to accomplish um, is something that I'm definitely in awe in. Anthony, I know you're really involved in Minnesota in the community, and I wondered why. What's, what is your connection to the community? Why is it important for you to give back? I think for me to be in a position that I am, uh, that I am in right now, I couldn't have done it, you know, without a ton of individuals around me. Um, I think particularly with my family, uh, they all pitched in, made sure I was, you know, had all the resources that I had make sure I was able to get where I needed to be in terms of practice, games, and all those sorts. And then also, you know, coaches, coaches in the community, whether it was AAU travel, football coaches, or family friends. There were a ton of people in the community who just, you know, I felt like pushed me um, to, to chase greatness and, and pushed me towards chasing my dreams. So the thing that I want to do is be able to give back, you know, uh, help out individuals who need help, if somebody's feeling down, uh, be able to be inspiration to them and, and ultimately just help people reach some of the goals that they want to be and, and do the things that they want to do in life as well. And finally, for you, Anthony, uh, you've got good game on Instagram. Who's that dude? Um, good mix of you know football and fashion. But there was also a time, and I'm not sure if it's still active, you got to explain this to me, that you urged people to follow your cat on Instagram. Fill me in on this, on this deal. Yeah. So, um, a number two year, two years ago, I believe it was, uh, I took a visit to the animal shelter. I was doing some community work there at the time I was living alone and they suggested that I get a dog and I like dogs. Uh, but I didn't want the responsibility at the time traveling game days. So I decided that, you know, I'd take a look into cats. Somebody recommended it. And I thought I was going home with one, and I went home with two. Uh, they've been great. Uh, their name's Cookie and Ella. So they've been my furry pets um, to this point. Uh, my girlfriend has a dog, so we share that as well. And um, I love animals, animals and art. So I just try to, you know, for those cat lovers out there, give them a little something to look at on Instagram in terms of following my cat page. I love it. So bring that happy family to Philadelphia. We're going to have some fun in 2021. Anthony Harris, thank you so much for joining us. Welcome to Philadelphia. And it's been a pleasure to get to speak to you today. Thank you. Tracy Rocker, one of the all-time great defensive linemen at the University of Auburn. He's a member of the College Football Hall of Fame, dominating player in the SEC. It was a third-round draft pick by Washington. 
and then suffered a knee injury early in his career, ended his playing career, started his coaching career. And he has been in the NFL with Tennessee, all around the landscape of college football, and now he's in Philadelphia. He's got an infectious personality. He's got high energy, and he's got a track record of success. He's here to run the Eagles' defense. Let's find out how he plans to reach the Eagles' defensive line, a group that should be pretty darn good in 2021. Tracy Rocker, one-on-one. I feel like I'm talking to football royalty here, Tracy. Tracy Rocker, thanks for joining me here on the Eagles Insider Podcast. Um, Well, the defensive line has a a new voice, and you are the voice, so I'm looking forward to getting to know you here. Nice to meet you. And I know that football has been your life, Tracy. When did you fall in love with the game, and you know, at what age did you know that you were just better than everybody else on the field? I, I think I probably start falling in love with the game when you're a little kid and you're playing in the front yard and you um, you have no doubt when you come home from school, you had to change clothes if you wanted to go play football. You couldn't wear your school clothes out there. And I think that's when you play in neighborhood football and then all of a sudden you start playing recreational and it goes on to high school. And um, from that point on, when I got to high school, I had a great high school coach um, that kind of gave me the um, direction to say, hey, you, you're pretty good at this. And, hey, the light came on. <laughs> you're like, hey, maybe I can maybe I can do this for the rest of my life. I mean, back then, kids are kids, right? Like, did you have high goals even at that age? Well, I, I mean, back then, you just, you know, I, you know, we had got you did your schoolwork. And then after that, I played all every sport. I, you know, I want to stay busy. So you play every sport. And all of a sudden I realized I like running into people and I didn't I didn't have a problem with running into people and getting up off the ground, running back into them. And I'm like, this is pretty cool. And I love the adrenal rush. Um, um, would I do it again? Yes. Am I enjoying what I'm uh, the issues now? No, but I would do it again. <laughs> Tracy is a member, for those who don't know, of College Football's Hall of Fame, inducted in 2004. A great career at the University of Auburn. We got to talk about the SEC because that, the SEC is like, it's just so otherworldly to me. I, it's like a professional league down there. It's amazing. And then you were a third round pick by Washington. And I wonder, Tracy, do you remember the day you were drafted? Because people always say, it's the most special day in a player's career. It was a it was a very unbelievable day. Um, I, for two days, I did not believe it, and then all of a sudden, I realized I'm on a, a flight out of Atlanta, and to Washington D.C. And, and and the Redskins picked me up, and and I'm like, hey, it's here. It's all of a sudden. This is for real. And um and from that point on, you know, it's a it, it was very exciting. Um, learned a lot. And um, had a lot of great teammates, but um, it was one of those deals. Welcome to the NFL. <laughs> yeah, I, I've read and heard look, looking back at you, you and the interviews you've done and all, you, you're reluctant to talk about those days. Do you, do you ever talk about those days with your with your players? Do you think through the years your players are aware of of you as a player? Um, well, I, I think for me, um, um I've heard it, you know, even from my own family members, they say you never talk about everything you've done. And I said, well, for me, um, that's what I did. I had I played with a lot of great teammates and that was one of the things I accomplished. I my goal is to see if I can help someone accomplish those things, Um, you know, to go win a championship, go do the things, go have the success I had. So that's where it's not about me. I'd rather give it back to someone. 
and see if they can go accomplish. And um, I've been fortunate. You know, I've coached a lot of good players and went on. It's been shocking, (laughs) very shocking. I will get into your coaching career next. But first, final question about your playing days. And, you know, you're in the NFL and you're you're young and you're in a very pressure filled world. And then you suffer a knee injury and it really compromised your career. And I wonder what it was like for you as a young guy to come to grips with that and and, and understand that reality. Well, I think um, coming to grips with it was very hard. One, um, when you're young and you've, you've played the game for so long, you know, you get banged up and you just recover fast. And as you keep playing and keep playing, you're like, oh, why is it taking so long? Why is it taking so long? Why is it taking so long? And now all of a sudden you kind of, the doctor kind of sits down and kind of gives you the news like, well, you, you, it's, it's not going to be as fast as you think. And it, and, it, and, and it's just part of playing the game for so long. And, um, and I think one thing, I, um, I played so hard and I left it on the line and um, I don't have any regrets about it, but it is a very hard thing to go through because you used to regiment um, um, where to be at on time. You, you got a schedule. And now you break away from that. That was really hard for about two years. That was a very difficult time for me. Now let's talk about your coaching career. I know it started in high school. You have been in a lot of different schools, Auburn, Tennessee, Cincinnati, all through the SEC, uh, Tennessee Titans. I mean, it's just an incredible coaching career. 15 players that you've coached have been drafted five in the first round. So the first question is what makes a great defensive lineman in the school of Tracy Rocker? Well, I, I, I would say this. Um, one, one is toughness um, because it's a very hard position. It's a premium position. Um, one, you, you're, you're holding up basically um, 600 pounds on every play. Um, the day, I, I still remember the, the day that coaches throughout you know, my career on as the weekend gets closer to the end, you know, coaches are like, hey, we're we're just going to tag off on people. Well, D lineman, we never tag off. We're still holding up 600 pounds every day until Sunday <laughs> or except on Saturday is a walk. But you're basically holding up someone 300 or 600 pounds. And I think that's one. Can you do that every day? Approach practice every day. Um have a bit of athletic skills about you, you know, because you have to stay on your feet. Can you play with your hands and your eyes at the same time and have the mental capacity that um, that guy over there that you're going against is pretty good. He's going to get, he's going to, he's going to win one or two, but you got to make sure you win the most, the majority of the battles. And I think that's the most important thing, the mental toughness and physical toughness and having an athletic skill set to stay on your feet. And not and not be on the ground. Tracy, what's your approach? How, how do you reach players? What I mean, you know, everybody's different. You're dealing with men here. Uh, mm-hmm. They're not college kids. How how will you reach the Philadelphia Eagles defensive line? Well, I, I think one um, one the first thing is um, as human beings, we all want to told want to be told about our strengths. As humans, we want to tell what we're good at and. Uh, Obviously, I, I'll talk about what they're good at, and half of them will already know what they're good at. But I also think that we have to also talk about what, um, t- 
two or three things that they can improve in improve on as a as a player. I'm not talking 10 things. I'm talking two or three things so that they can be a better player, help us to see that um, not just being middle of the road, but obviously we all want to go back to the big show. And um, I think those are the things is what can we improve on as personal and as a unit? What can we do together to be a complete unit through the ups and downs of a, of a, a full season? Of all of these great players that you've coached through the years, do any of them stand out to, you know, you point to say, hey, I really reached that young man and 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 he really maximized his ability or maybe they impacted you in some way with their approach to the game. Are, are there names that stick out? Um, yes, um, it's probably the, the two that stand out to most of me, the most of me is probably um, OCU Minorda um, and DeMarcus Ware. Um, you know, I guess because um, O.C. was, you know, a former soccer player and he was told what he could not do. And all of a sudden <laughs> this guy's, you know, he's a he's a great NFL player. And so I saw his his growth and DeMarcus where, um, you know, this guy came to college and he was he was barely 210. And now and all of a sudden he's he's taking quarterback heads off in the NFL. And but. What I enjoyed, what I learned from those guys were they competed and most of all, they were good people. I mean, just good, caring, wanted to be special, but also wanted to help others in the process and not just about themselves. So I never forgot those two guys because um, they impacted me that way about just being giving of themselves and um, and working hard at because no one, they, they were just nobodies. And all of a sudden they became stars. Trent Cole, I know you had him, I guess, for a year at Cincinnati. I, had, we, I coached Trent for a year at, at, at um, University of Cincinnati. <laughs> must must have been a raw, skinny, like just because he, oh, when, he came, when he came to the Eagles, he was still he wasn't big, but he was boy, did he play hard. Oh my goodness! You talking about someone? Well, one, we had to make sure we get him out the woods because he was either <laughs> he was always hunting. We were yeah. like, hey man, you go. I was always, hey, you, you, you know, we have a mean tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to tell him, hey, this is what time because he's gonna be hunting eventually. And um, my, the thing I enjoyed about Trent was, you talking about playing hard? I mean, he played hard from start to finish, and he practiced that way. And another, I mean, another guy that was a good person and was giving of themselves also and. He came from no one never knew, you know, I know his all his brothers are all football, you know, they coached and played the game, but no one knew Trent was going to turn out like that. He was great awesome. Yeah. Oh, and what a, what a great player. I hope you guys get to reconnect when this thing lifts and we can all shake hands and hug again. Um, hey, the, 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 this is a league for offense. Everybody wants to score points. I know that defensive linemen are, uh, Asked to tackle quarterbacks in a very small target area. Uh, they are limited with some of the moves, perhaps, that you've taught through the years. I mean, over the years, Tracy, how much has the game changed for defensive linemen? Uh, well, I, I don't. Well, one, um, I think um, for for off is is the game ha is definitely is all about the offense, and we you know we we turn it on to see the offense. And but some people turn on to see the defense. So but it's an offensive minded game. Um, 
So I think we have to, you know, everybody wants you have to protect the quarterback. And I clearly respect that because I'm on the team and I want all quarterback protected also. So I, I can I can get that. But what I don't understand is why are we letting them just keep holding without mm-hmm. any repercussions? It's like it's OK to just hold and hold. Well, I thought that was part of the rules. And so, and then I don't want to, I'm, I'm not here to, I, I, and as a, as a coach and as a player, um, I was always told, um, don't let them hold you. And, and so you never complained about it, but now is, it's very, um, Blake and is open and, um, and it's, it's like, it's kind of not, um, I don't know what it's kind of looked by now. Nobody, everybody turns a blind eye to it now. I like the I like your your line though. Don't let them hold you, right? That's it. Don't let them yeah. hold you, right? Yeah. And that's and that's just the way the that's the way it's taught. That's the way you if you're going to play defensive line, you can't let them hold you. So that's why you have to play with so much energy, tenacity, and you got to play with a second gear because someone's holding you back. All right, Tracy, you're going to be standing up in front of the D line here soon. Um, what is your daily message? What kind of personality will you bring to the room? What kind of personality do you want from your Eagles defensive lineman? Well, I, I think I, I, throughout my career and, and what I live by and what, um, with my son, uh, you can play hard and you can do your best. That's all I ever ask. You can play as hard as you can. And every day is not going to be a good day but you still have to approach it with a professional way of, hey, do your best at it. Keep working at it. And because, you know, I think sometimes um, in this business, um, the fans, they don't see us practice. They just see us on Sunday. And I think for us is, when you know, when that young man walks in that building every day, you know, you got to challenge his mind to say, hey, you know, let's, hey, let's go out here and get two hours of just, Hey, you got to play practice at a high level, focus in, and now let's now let's go back into the classroom. So those are things that me that are important to me. Can you mentally focus every day um, from the ups and downs, and and leave your business um, at at your home, and when you walk in the building, focus on what we need to do for the Philadelphia Eagles. Those are, are the you- things that that are very important to me. Are you a calm, cool, collected guy? Are you a, an emotional guy? What do you like? Uh, well, I think I'm more, I think the emotion for me is during the week because I think it's important that you prepare a certain way during the week. And now on um, on the weekends, on Sunday, I think you become a manager of, you know, what was the issue here, figure it out. But to sit here and yell and scream and do all that on Sunday, I think it's a little bit too late. I think they're giving us a week to get prepared. So those are the days, hey, let's let's get prepared. Let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. Let's put a thumb on you. And, um, hey, game day is is, is fun. That's, and now it's time to manage it. And um, let's talk about the issues and work through the issues. And, hey, we have success. Great. Celebrate. Let's work through the good and bad of football. But – not to be sitting there belittling someone. I don't. I. I wasn't. I wasn't coached that way, and I don't coach that way. But I do have a very strong personality. <laughs> you mentioned your son, uh, and by the way, your wife has to be a saint with all the moving that you've done. 
<laughs> so shout out to, to your wife. Um, you had a, you have a son, Kumar, who threw a 19 strikeout no-hitter, 2019 College World Series. And the story I read, so you were recruiting at the University of Tennessee. Your right. wife didn't even know what a no-hitter was. I mean, can you, from as a dad and as, a, as, as somebody who has got his job to do, tell me about that experience. And as you look back at it, what was it like for you? Well, I guess um, it was very amazing. Um, but, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm in a recruiting deal, and um, I tell the family, hey, they're like, what's going on? So I, I got my iPad. I, I had my phone, so I'm watching him and talking. And, and you know, we all just talking, and then all of a sudden um, the, dinner, the dinner ends, and they're like, um, how's, he, how's it going? I said, well, it's going good. I said, yeah, it's right now um, 10 strikeouts. And they say, 10 strikeouts? I was like, yeah, 10 strikeouts. And they're like, you, you're so calm about it. I said, well, uh, they got to win the game. I, I didn't. I, I wasn't <laughs> thinking about that. You know that he made ten strikeouts. I was like, they got to win the game so they could keep advancing. And all of a sudden, I come home and and all of a sudden, it's like my the count started eleven, twelve, thirteen, and and now you're like, whoa, we're talking to no hitter here. And that's when it it all hits me because I'm sitting here at the house. I don't. I didn't even call my wife. We did not even talk until after it was over, and then we found because it was like, don't say, you know, when things like that are going on, you just like keep your fingers crossed, pray, and hope it all goes well. And and then at the end, it, it all happened. Now they say my wife did not know what a no hitter was. My wife knows what a no hitter is. Okay, okay. I think what happened was, as the game goes on. She's, you know, no one's there. I, I, I don't, we're not the type that's all about our, we want him to do well, but we're, it's about the team. And so then you kind of find out, you look up there, you're like, no one's hit the ball. And then now here, she's like, oh my goodness, you know, we're talking, this guy's really having no hitter. So that's where it was all very shocking because it's not, it's a great, it's a great, what he did was awesome and it's great, but um, we, we're kind of team oriented people and um that's what we taught him that's a beautiful story hey uh you, you get to coach in front of eagles fans who are rooting for you now you played against eagles fans um <laughs> what was it like i guess that was back at the vet you played right yeah, that was at the vet i think I, I came up there one year and uh santa claus got beat up that year oh now come on now i'm gonna tell you i'm gonna tell you he was a skinny drunk santa claus he may have deserved it that's the story all right I, <laughs> I tell you now, I, I, when we played in that vet on that concrete, oh my goodness, that was some concrete up there now. Yeah. That field, yeah. but yeah, it was a great well, we've, deal. We've, a lot we've of great moved players. on to big, bigger and better things now. Yeah, what a great, but what a lot of great players there. I mean, Reggie White, yeah, man, uh, Jerome Brown, Clyde. I, I, I remember. I, I know all those guys because I kept up with them. And now when I'm in the building, I walk around and I'm like, hey, that's Reggie. Hey, that's Clyde. No Clyde. I talked to Clyde. I knew Jerome Brown. We would go out and I had dinner with him. It was just like, man, I'm in there with all these. I, you think of all the great ones that came through there. And uh, yeah. so it's kind of unique. Like like your guy, Trent Cole. He's absolutely one of the great ones. Yeah, exactly. And, 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 and you got some you got some got some to work with now. Good stuff. Yeah. Hey, Tracy, thank you so much. No, thank you. We ended here on the Eagles Insider Podcast, presented by Lincoln Financial Group, with Mike Quick. Last week we had Merrill. This week we have Mike. If you have one, you've got to have the other. 
They are a team. And this time, Mike talks about the Eagles' defense. He has some very strong opinions on what the Eagles need to do to be dominant again on that side of the ball. Mike, we are here. We're getting closer to the draft. I mean, how do you look at this team in, in terms of getting back into a contending kind of mold, um, keeping some of their veterans and, and really just addressing the roster via the draft? Well, I think what they do have a good start with some key pieces, some key veteran players um, on the defensive side as well as on the offensive side. You know, I look at the offensive line, and there is certainly enough veterans there that can give you the, the type of play that you need on the offensive line front and then on the defensive line because you, you really start to build your team out from there, from the O-line, D-line. And if you're solid in both those places, and I think with just another uh, addition on the defensive line, I think both those areas are solid, and you build out from there. So with that said, I don't think it's a long time before this team can get back to being a prominent team in the National Football League. They've got skilled guys. They're going to need to add you know, a few guys um, at the running back spot, at the wide receiver spot on the defensive side at linebacker, corner safeties. But I don't think it takes a long time to do that, Dave. And then some of these young guys that they have on the roster at, at those spots um, that have shown some promise, well, they'll have to step up. Or you bring in someone that can do the job that they're unable to do. It sounds like, and I guess the way I, I look at it, like the Eagles have to really have success in the draft and then coach the kids up and get some immediate contributions from them. Do you well, agree with that? Yeah, with yeah, with the fact that they have they, they weren't able to go out in free agency and and get anybody of substance in free agency that you know is going to come in and make an immediate impact. Um it has to be built now from the draft. And they have 9, 10 draft picks and they have to be able to hit on a fair amount of those draft picks and if they're able to hit on 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 half those draft picks, it's a very successful draft. Mike, you mentioned wide receiver, and everybody's so interested in wide receiver. And, you know, not too long ago, everybody said, well, it's really hard for rookies to come in and make immediate impacts. That has changed. Why has that changed? I think it's changed with what I mentioned before. The, the new wave of offenses in the National Football League that's heavily influenced by the college game and the run-pass options and the things that um, offenses are having so much success with at the college level. We see that on almost every team now, a lot of what we see on Saturday football now on Sunday football. So I think that and the fact that it's such a specialized position now in college and even at the high school level to play wide receiver. So at the high school level, they're having seven-on-seven uh, camps where it's mainly a passing game. It's like up-tempo basketball on the football field uh, during the summer and all all during their breaks. So wide receivers are learning a lot faster and they're learning a lot more of what it takes to play at the professional level, high school, and at the collegiate level. Mike, I think we've talked about this, but I'd like to get a refresher on it. Um, Last year, the Eagles had three draft picks uh, at wide receiver. Uh, do do you think, though, I mean, year two obviously is a critical 
time for Jalen Rager for John Hightower for Quez Watkins. Uh, what's your what's your gut on those those three? Tell you. I, I think it's it's critical for all three, and I think all three have the ability to make a, a, a contribution this year, and not just to be a marginal player, but to be players that you have to worry about when they're on the field. I think uh, Jalen Rager, I start with him. The guy has so much upside, so much potential to be a great player. Um, the speed, the ability to run after the catch. Um, and I think one of the things that he has that's so important in this league, he has, you know, many people call it the dog, but he has that thing where he feels like when he steps onto the field, he can outplay everybody on the field. And that, to me, is very important. That type of confidence, um, it, it's very important. I think Hightower is one of the best skilled in terms of route running and um, separating from people and getting open. He's one of the best on the, on the football team. Now, he's got to mature some, um, catch the ball a little bit better, and, and just things that you normally want to see in the progression. But, again, very, very skilled, very, very talented. And all three of these guys have the speed that you have to be concerned about. Um, Quez, I think, is one who needs probably a little more polish than the other two. But Quez Watkins, too, has the ability to really stretch the field. And when he's got the ball in his hands, if you're going to use him on the gadget stuff and the quick screens and plays right around the line of scrimmage to get the ball in his hands, I think that's when the excitement happens with Quez Watkins. So all three of these guys, Dave, I think have a big opportunity to um, have an impact on this football team this year. That said, at number six, and I don't know how deep you go into the draft prep, but which, how, how strongly would you consider a wide receiver with the number one pick? I think it's something to consider, but I think this team has a lot of needs. So, you know, when they spend a lot of time trying to figure out the guy that's rated the highest, when they put all of their numbers together with the way they measure guys, I think at number six, you have to get that guy who's at that. If, if the guy at that, at number six is a cornerback, you know, if they feel like it's Patrick Satane, or if they feel like it's a chase, the wide receiver, if they feel like it's one of the quarterbacks, that's the highest rated guy at that spot. I think you have to go there because I, I really feel this team has a variety of needs. It's a really interesting position to be in, Mike, right? Like you want to make sure that you're trusting your board and not trying to fill a need. I guess that's the danger. I think that's the day. And I think that's where they sometimes uh, they go wrong in this process, especially when you're, when you're looking at a number one draft pick, you want to make sure that, it's someone who fits what you do, and it's someone who you've, with all the work that you've done, that the scouts have done, all that they've poured, the hours that they've poured into it, you want to make sure that you get the guy that's sitting there at the, at the position that you feel is best or highest rated when it's your turn. Mike, let's talk a little just last position here, what, defensive line. You touched on it earlier, and Wanted to get a little deeper. What's your sense of, like, you know, how much does Fletcher Cox have left? How much does Brandon Graham have left? 
Can Derek Barnett stay healthy? How good can Javon Hargrave be? You know, how good can his D-line be? Um, it all begins with Fletcher and how healthy he is and how much pop he still has in his legs uh, because that's going to help to feed the other guys around him. Um, Javon Hargrave at the latter part of last season, I thought showed a lot. Showed that he's now comfortable in the style that they were playing. And, you know, he could be a really good three-technique tackle if they want to stay with that style of defense. And Fletcher can play wherever you need Fletcher to play. Um, Any of those inside defensive line spots, Fletcher can play and dominate. So if you have those two guys, you've got Brandon Graham, uh, you've got Derek Barnett, you still have to add to those guys because that's just not enough. In this day and age, you have to have a disruptive defensive line and and then the next level. But you have to have a disruptive defensive line that it's really hard to block. You have to you have to make sure you got extra personnel to just slow those guys down. And then you can start to really have a defense that can be effective and and then you worry about the next level. But it really begins with they have to get better on their defensive line. These guys, they've shown that they can play, but that's not enough. They have to get better on the defensive line. Mike, we, it seems like we've got a long way to go before the NFL draft, but you know we have no choice but to wait and see how the Eagles do 11 draft picks, and they got to nail it. Yeah, it really is going to rely heavily on the draft and making sure that you get some guys that can help. But um, I don't think you can have enough big guys, disruptive guys on the defensive line. So I'm hoping to see early in the draft process that they get some help for those guys on the defensive front. Mike Quick, once again, thanks for your time. All right, Dave. Be well. You're the best. Take care. Oh, and one more thing the Eagles have done. On Friday, the team traded the number six pick overall, as well as pick number 156, that's a fifth-round draft pick, to the Miami Dolphins for the 12th pick overall, a pick in the fourth round, number 123 overall, and a 2022 first-round draft pick, Miami's original first-round pick that year. So if Carson Wentz plays 75% of the snaps with Indianapolis or 70% and the Colts make the playoffs, the Eagles get another first-round pick next season. That would give them three for 2022. What do they do in 2021? We'll find out. We've got a long way to go before the draft begins on April 29th. But this much is true. Howie Roseman is wheeling and dealing. That will do it for this episode of the Eagles Insider Podcast presented by Lincoln Financial Group. Thanks to Peter Kelly, Trevor Hayes, and Ray Doyle for their help. Thanks to all of you for joining us each and every episode. Much more to get to here as we get into the month of March. If you have a moment to give us a little five-star rating, it always helps. There's a link right there in the details section in your podcast library. That would be very much appreciated. What will the Eagles do next? Still some quality players out there in free agency. The Eagles, not a lot of room, but enough in case they find the right deal. I'm Eagles insider Dave Spadaro. Thanks for joining me on this Eagles insider podcast presented by Lincoln Financial Group. As always, Have yourselves a great Eagles day and fly, Eagles, fly. E-A-T-L-E-S, Eagles! 
Hi, I'm Fran Duffy, host of the Journey to the Draft podcast, where every week we're going through scouting reports, big boards, mock drafts, and figuring out how prospects transition to the NFL. Listen to the Journey to the Draft podcast wherever podcasts can be found.